You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. All right, we're back with another episode of Behind the Leaf. I'm Alec, your, your host, and uh, we're here with Cassie, your co-host. What's up, guys? And uh, we're here with some amazing dudes. We have the founder of Good Greens and uh, one of his employees, Phil. And uh, What's going on, guys? Yes. Yeah, Glad to be on yourselves. here. Yeah. So my name is Joe. Uh, I started Good Greens back in late uh, 2019. Uh, we are Los Angeles-based cultivators, and uh, we're now trying to move into some other states. So Nice. Hey, what's up? I'm Phil. I work at Good Greens, and I do a lot of breeding. Um, mostly test out and run new genetics as hard as possible to then back off and find appropriate levels instead of just guess from the beginning. Nice. All right, awesome, awesome. So how did you guys get into cannabis? So uh, I was... I got in trouble in high school for <laughs> weed my freshman year. I got suspended. So I didn't, for most of uh, high school, I didn't really smoke a lot of pot. And then mm-hmm. the summer that I graduated um, high school, I actually was hanging out with one of my buddies a lot and he was smoking a lot of weed and I started smoking a lot of weed and I had this great, uh, you know, thought about it. It's like, hey, you know, uh, why, you know, like everybody loves weed like, you know, like I want to grow this. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. where the passion started. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, and you know, especially growing up in the East Coast in Boston, it was one of those places where we used to get droughts every summer, where like you couldn't get weed, let mm-hmm. alone good weed. And, and it was, I was always on this like hunt for finding really good weed. It was always really, really hard to find good weed. And, you know, back east, it was always. Growing weed was, you had to be so careful about it. Like, you couldn't tell anybody. You couldn't. Yeah, it's hush hush. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, you, you like. Still is. To a certain in some ex- parts, yeah. Yep, you're absolutely right. But I mean, back then at that time, you'd get arrested if you got caught with a gram of weed. You got caught with Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Yeah, right? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. not, it was, it, was not, it was not friendly. Yeah, and then let alone like growing weed or selling weed. I mean, that really got like serious. So it was just one of those times where it's like, you know, in, but. You could never ever find i could never find the good weed that i wanted or like you get it every once in a while but it, so it's yeah. kind of how it all started for me nice it's yeah, awesome uh, what about you phil i grew up in la so i always mm. from the get-go had access Very to cannabis positive environment right pretty high quality stuff train awesome. rack afghani right out of yeah. the gate where all like the og strange that really started the industry mm-hmm. took me till i moved out of state to realize that not everyone had it so good Mm-hmm. And when I eventually came back here, um, Joe ended up coming to L.A. around the same time for other weed-related reasons, and he needed a place to stay. So I told him he could crash with me if he taught me everything he knew about how to grow. Ten years later. Sounds like a pretty good there. trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you guys been working together for ten years now? Or? Yeah, I mean, we've known each other, I think, at this point. We went to college together. I mean, we've known oh, each other awesome. for over 15 years at this point. And wow. Yeah, I mean, literally, you know, we're talking about, like, running a tent in, like, a living room, you know, like, you know, you know, but that was what it was all about to a certain extent, like, it was about the love for it, it wasn't about the money, it was really about, like, wanting to do it. Yeah, it was about these high-yielding, high-potency strains that really drives the market nowadays. Yeah, and, you know, like, you can't, like, have people over your house because you got, like, you know, your fucking living room blown up, like, you know, like... You know, it's... You got a tent in some rooms so yeah. the whole house smells like weed. Yeah, you're, you're a like... A lot of dedication. You meet a girl yeah. at the bar and you can't let her in your bedroom. You have to hang out in the living room. <laughs> I mean... You know, it's it's just one of those things. But again, it's... I think, like, a lot of the people that are, especially now in the industry now, it's mm-hmm. the ones that started off really, like, they wanted to do it because they, like, loved it to do it. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about... It was just, no. like, you know... It was this a is, passion. Exactly. Yeah, it was a passion. It was, it, was, it was more of a lifestyle than it was a business for these people. For, for these guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's the culture and the lifestyle. You're dead on. Yeah, yeah. yeah and totally. the, like just coming out to California for the first time and seeing the culture was mind-blowing to me because of how different it is uh, where we're from. So um, I've been learning a lot, especially doing this podcast and like hearing from guys like you. And it's definitely like taking away the stigma. We have like so many people asking questions after listening to the podcast, like super kind of curious people. And like that's the whole point is educating people. That's the only way we're going to move forward. 
So yeah. it's you know, been great. And, you know, look, I think we're at a point now where, look, we're all able to talk about it. And again, going back, you, we couldn't talk about growing weed. And especially yeah. you'd be careful with who you're talking to in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like Internet forums were the first kind of great way to share information and learn. Yeah. Um, if you were like really into growing, you know, because you're like, what is this? Like, this doesn't look right. Or like, I don't, you know, you don't know what you're doing in the beginning. No, like, you know, right. you, trial and error. You don't know. I've, I've like, I've said on other shows before, I have, I have countless friends that now that New York's, New York's legal and they can grow plants in that home, they'll, they, they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. And, and they, 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 some of them will go the entire way up to curing and drying it and they'll just fuck it up right at the end. I'll be like, you just wasted all that time. You know, and I mean, that's another good point to touch on. You know, I think post-processing too, it, it's a huge weak spot for a lot of weed because you just spent all mm-hmm. of this hard work, time, money, energy mm-hmm. into, you know, 14 weeks through clones, mother stock, you know, mother stock, clones, yeah. veg, flower, and you just harvest it. And all of a sudden now it's like, you know, a day or two can just really just kind of ruin the product for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, totally. So, uh, and uh, so I, I, I know one thing I know I'm very curious about is uh, something uh, Phil mentioned that that you do in the company is gen- genetics and stuff like that. So, what like do you cross like like make different strains like how like, like what goes into what that? Goes I into guess that? for the average person that wouldn't yeah. know. Okay. <laughs> Remember, we're talking about a bunch of stoners here. Yeah, so yeah, we got sometimes so I can lay in Bring terms. down the level, but <laughs> so uh, it'll be easier if I start with why I got interested in genetics. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. go for it. When I lived in Boston, I used to get the regular work weed, which was Jack back then, and it was whatever. And then I met Joe, and he showed me some more interesting stuff: some chem, some piff, some mm-hmm. OGs at that time, yeah. which were a little different, but okay. And I realized that weed could be extremely different experientially depending on not just the genetics but the way in which it was grown Mm -hmm. so that got me interested in why some growers choose some genetics over other when over others when there might be drawbacks Um, and understanding the growing side led me to understand that those growers were chasing effects so I initially got into breeding to just to chase effects. I wanted the cannabis that I couldn't find on the market for whatever reasons, and I wanted it at a better quality than the market would supply. So we started pollen chucking and trying to bring some gassy taste back into the gelatos and sherbets that everybody loves right now. Mm -hmm. And eventually that led to looking at other reasons for crossing two plants which are far beyond effect, um, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. Okay, so, (laughs) sorry. No, it's Um, all good. You're good. Basically, everyone should try breeding. All you need is a male and a female plant, and you should breed to your taste. Whatever weed you like to smoke, Mm -hmm. chuck some seeds and put them in the ground. And that's how I started, but that's not how we ended up. How we ended up breeding is more for commercial production, trying to keep the original mentality that we had of finding the best effect, but right. having it fit into a commercial schedule of eight-week production, certain THC yeah. levels, the bag looks a certain yeah. way, has a candy smell, not just a yeah. diesel smell. And yeah, because, like, that, that's the thing, like, with the with, uh, production like that, like, I'm sure you guys, you guys have noticed is the consistency that needs to be brought out there because you, you buy that eighth in the store, you want to go back and then that buy that same eighth and you want to be exactly the same weed. Mm-hmm. And as as growers, I'm sure you guys know that's very hard to replicate in in, in, in all your, all your plants. Yeah, it's borderline impossible. And yeah. again, one of the things that we look for is you know the strains that are commercially viable may not necessarily be the strains that I personally want to smoke. Yes, right. and that's where it kind mm-hmm. of started. Is you know. Now that we're actually running a business, we, we have to be, you know, it has to be commercially viable. So, it, it, you know, it can't be the things anymore. It's like you're just messing around a tent or, you know, a couple lights, four lights, you know, it's yeah. like it's more passion. Now it's like, you know, I got employees, I've got, you yeah. know, people that depend Your on responsibilities me. instead of just growing a plant in your living room or bedroom or something. Now it's like you got a full business. But, well, you know, into it. yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, but I still want to grow what I want to grow. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, you know, 
it's oh you're always on this hunt for these kind of new flavors and what what can actually be commercially viable yeah and you know look we're in such a competitive market today prices everybody's there's so much so many more people in cannabis there's so many more companies that are coming on you know it, it's it's really really hard to stay competitive and be unique in a you know with all these other people out there they're oh, doing yeah. great things oh no yeah like don't get me like like don't get me wrong when i say this is that there's there's great growing companies there are great companies out there but there are a lot of me too's yep. and i go to like mj and all like the investment seminars throughout the year and stuff and I'm just looking at people and I'm like, all right, well, like, what's really the difference here? Like you're mass growing weed and all right, you're doing high THC contents at short amount of times, but that's just what the market is demanding nowadays. Like, but you know, look to, I love to play devil's advocate and you know, oh, there's, right, there's always two sides to every story, right? Mm -hmm. The, it, I think it's really, really hard to be consumer, walk into a store in California you can sort of see the product. They might have sample jars out. Like you might be able to sort of smell some nugs that have been in, you know, like some weird container and dry. Mm -hmm. And like, it's not, it's more likely than not going to be representative of what you actually get in the jar. And you talked about consistency. How do I know that what's actually in that sample jar that I'm looking at is actually the same batch that I'm getting? Yes. You know, right, buying. Right, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, again, it's just like consistency. When you know the company that you want, you're going to keep going back to it yeah. at the end of the day. Right. You're hesitant to try try something yeah. new. People like you familiarity just and... But, you know, how is a customer supposed... When they walk into that store and you can't really judge that weed necessarily, how do you make a buying decision? You know, you talk about these top, sh top shelf eighths in California in the store pre-tax or, you know, 60, 70 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, out the door, you're, you're talking close to 85, 90, 95 bucks. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of money. And, you know, what mm -hmm. information do you really have to make the decision? And, and one of the ones that, you know, consumers have is THC percentage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not trying to say that that's why people, what people should be buying for. No, yeah. But, you know, if you don't know it a lot or, you know, that's kind of one of the mm -hmm. only few things you have to go off now, especially yeah. in the post-COVID era. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. We were talking on a uh, past past show that, maybe it's like a lack of education of what uh of what the public general public actually knows about cannabis because i don't know if it was a marketing employer just lack of education that thc is like the main compound like you go on random street anybody they'll be like oh i'm a like what do you think the cannabis is made out of thc and cbd that's what that that's mainly it. That's they have no idea what these other know. compounds mm -hmm. are and stuff like that and that's really what we've marketed towards based so when the average consumer goes into the store, they go, all right, THC, I want like a higher percentage. And they're the same minds, maybe going like alcohol. You want a higher percentage alcohol for your, for your most bang for your buck. Same thing, they're thinking with cannabis when realistically it's really, it, 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 it shouldn't be like that. No, and you know, I, I don't think people are drinking craft beer because it's higher alcohol percentage. I think they're drinking it because they prefer the taste of it, you know, and they're, su mm -hmm. they're supporting somebody. Definitely. That, yeah. And again, you know, I, I, th I see craft beer is more of a passion thing right it's not me Definitely. just pumping out you know mm -hmm. yeah totally like uh, where we live countless amount of breweries and craft beer and we it's it's i feel like that's going to take over the beer industry and all that you're never going to you're barely going to see all these like domestic brands and, and they're that. making what they like and that's how they appeal to who walks in their door and there's something for everyone and i think that's that's an important part as well you know i think one big thing too about cannabis industry is that real recognizes real i think mm -hmm. people are drawn to you know things people that are authentic yeah i was gonna yeah. say that authenticity yeah definitely oh, yeah. absolutely and that's how you grow your community is being authentic and attracting the people you want to attract with your energy yep and you know look it it's very very easy you know kind of get, going back to selecting kind of strains and stuff it's just mm -hmm. because what i like what i want isn't necessarily gonna be the same thing you know when i start showing it to other people smoking with other people getting feedback other people would be like, yeah, they love it. And there's ones I'm kind of like, no, I don't like it at all. Yeah. And other people are just like, this is the one. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm not really into it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so, but, you know, I guess kind of to go full circle back to the question you asked about mm -hmm. actually making seeds. So the weed that we smoke, right, is only the female plant. Mm -hmm. It's just the buds, yes. the flower yeah. of the female plant. And 
you know, the flag that we're buying in stores doesn't have seeds in it. The reason is because it was never pollinated. There was mm -hmm. pollen never ever reached it. So, you know, we as growers, what we're doing is we're typically um, producing flour from clones and they're genetically identical mm -hmm. and they're all female. Yes. So we know exactly what we're going to get. So it makes it easy for us to kind of have consistency. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is, you know, when you start trying to want to find something that nobody else has is you're working with seeds and seeds, you know, regular seeds are going to have either male or female mm -hmm. and the male plant produces pollen sacs and doesn't really produce bud that you can't smoke it. I, I, yeah. I guess technically you could, but it's, it's not the same. Yeah. I mean, right. there's, there's going to be a little bit of THC in like yeah. stems and leaves. Yeah. Have you smoked a male plant? <laughs> yeah. None. Yeah, that's... But so what we're all we're doing is, is we're allowing the male plant. So cannabis is a photoperiod plant, meaning it starts to, you know, produce flower, produce pollen sacs when, you know, the day is approximately equal. So that time starting in like, you know, late July, early August, depending on the plant, depending on where you are, you start to, you know, plant goes into flower and same thing what we're doing indoors, we're just we're doing it artificially. Mm -hmm. Pollen sacs grow, the flowers grow, eventually pollen gets released. And then at the end of the, uh, you know, nine, 10, 11 weeks, however long it is, yeah. you now have your beautiful female plants that are just full of seeds. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's pretty wild too, because a single plant, depending on how big it is, depending on how viable the pollen is, can have thousands and thousands of seeds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now it's your job as, you know, the breeder, you start going through all of these seeds to find what you want. And the reality is, you know, at first, you know, so you're kind of pollen shocking. You think kind of think you know what you're doing or you kind of think you this is what is going to work not work and the more and more mm -hmm. you do you start to figure out what does work and what doesn't work the first time you pick a male because the stem rub smells really good mm. but then you learn through the process that maybe a density of pollen sacs is more important or overall amount of pollen sacs is more important mm. or the height of the plant or how early it develops color all of these things factor into the yeah. eventual <laughs> offspring and when you have the offspring, you can breed the offspring together and refine it more and more. And that's where the real work happens. So there are tens of thousands of seeds that exist and thousands of plants that are grown for every one plant that makes it to market. That's a new flavor. And every company, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's no other way. It's nature and you can't cheat it. No. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got to go through the process. If you had a tip for, I guess, let's say a home grow grower, what would, what would you say is like, the most important yeah. to get started or um, I don't know any tip that you have for, have for the average one. person <laughs> <laughs> all right go for it ventilation okay you need to exhaust your heat if you don't exhaust your heat you will just cook your plants alive <laughs> they, they will finish flowering but you'll get one-eighth of the yield one-sixth of the yield that you could if you mm. just invested in a little six-inch diameter so skip your next ounce and go buy a three hundred dollar exhaust fan and exhaust your heat <laughs> I'll save you save you a headache <laughs> down the line yeah right. definitely you know I think it's probably just patience like mm -hmm. you're gonna fail I, I you know I've killed more plants than most people have probably grown and you know when I say killed plants I don't mean like intentionally I mean you know yeah. I messed up yeah. you know and you know walked in one day you're like shit yeah yeah it, it happens man and and that's just part of growing though it's you know getting back into it you know you can quit you know it only takes one time to quit but you know you got to yeah. keep keep going going keep going grinding. so yeah mm -hmm. so you know and again you it's the plant is so humbling in so many different ways once you think you kind of like know what you're doing and like I got this under control you have a run where you're like yep I have no idea what I'm doing mm -hmm. yeah. just you're <laughs> constantly learning with each each one absolutely mm -hmm. you know uh, I think I lost any my any sort of uh arrogance by the plant a long time ago because you know we are learning so much every day about this because you know again we're this is really kind of the first time where we've been able to have really advanced large-scale cannabis production indoors right. we're, we're able to apply science we're able to use data you know it's way more out we're, we're able to talk about it and share this information mm -hmm. it, it's never been like this before and now that we're able to look at a lot of the technology that big ag uses and apply it to cannabis there's a lot of advantages in terms of scale, you know, cost, quality, because again, you know, we're now able to get this stuff tested. 
it's I'm so glad that we're that you know there's no more pesticide. You don't have to worry about pesticide. You don't have to worry that your weed mm -hmm. is dirty or, yeah. or, you know. And I again, it's just such a different culture than what it used to be, and it's just headed in I think a good direction. And again, it's just one of those things where the people that really love it, I think it really shines through mm -hmm. with totally. their love for the plant. You know. Definitely. I see we have two uh, cups up here. So you won the Hayseeker Cup twice? Yeah. So the uh, first one was with the uh, Pineapple Pez Sour that was bred by uh, Midwest Best Tristan. Nice. Nice. And the uh, second one was the Gas Pedal, which we bred, we selected. Um, so that was really awesome to kind of get your all your hard work, you know, yeah, validated. Yeah. For, yeah. Uh, for those of uh, the people listening out there that may not know what the Hayes Secret Cup is, uh, you, you guys want to explain go into how you guys got about involved the event or the when event. your first your first time was at the cup i think the f it was last probably just about a year ago almost it was uh last halloween was the uh first taste cup that we went to mm -hmm. and that was the one where we won the uh, pineapple pez and then uh we did the olympics i think last winter and uh we won for the gas pedals so it was really really awesome cool. oh, wait, was it the sign i don't remember if it was the summer or not the gas pedal was special because it doesn't have the prettiest bag appeal, but everyone who tries it enjoys it. So it's one of those things where you have to take it on faith that it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. And to actually win a cup is, you know. Yeah, getting that recognition yeah. you deserve. All that hard work, learning, failing, yeah. you know, restarting. And now, you know, you're, you're seeing all that um, really help, help people. That's great. Yeah. I love it. What, what would be your favorite strain, I guess, if you had to pick one? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, you know, I get asked this question, and my first reaction is mm -hmm. always, right now, it's, it's the one that's going to make me the most amount of money. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, I agree. <laughs> no. Uh, that's a good answer. Yeah, LCG. Yeah, right. Lemon cherry runs. Now, uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a gas kind of guy. I love OGs. I love chem. Mm -hmm. Sour. Um, I'm really a gas guy. That's that's going to be my first go-to is, is something in one of those categories, yeah. one, that, one of those camps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, besides the Hayes Cups, you guys won our, have won any other awards for for your uh, product? No. Nah, like what nah. event or what events have you guys been to? Or so we we uh, work really closely with Sergio um, from Cultivated Genetics. Now he's Compound Genetics. Mm -hmm. um, it, he's a nursery in sack. We work with a lot of genetics with him. So we did the Emerald Cup with him last year. Nice. And th that was awesome. Getting to be able to sell our flower from you know his nursery so you mm -hmm. know you're able to see the plants that people are going to grow and then have the flower right next to it yeah. so it was really awesome. awesome the pez sour came from his nursery so we were vending pez sour clones and vending the pez sour flower and you could talk to sergio about the clones you could talk to us about the flower we could give you tips for growing it for the whole post process and hmm. this is actually something interesting uh, you asked, what else would you breed for other than effect generally? And the Pez Sour is a good example. So the flower is really nice, but it doesn't have a shelf life. And yeah. it's hard when something doesn't have a shelf life because you have to change your supply chain. So one of the things you can breed for is something that's uh, stable for longer. Instead of a month, maybe two months. Instead of two months, maybe three. And then the customer at 60 days is getting the same experience as the customer yeah. at 25 days. And that goes into the consistency Okay. Yeah. Asked. Oh, that's that, that's pretty interesting. So, what is? I'm sure some people are thinking out there. What is the average consistent life, it, like shelf life of it, you of, know, canna of, of cannabis? It's just one of those questions. It all depends. Um, in the same sense that, like a potato's shelf life is different than a, a peach's shelf life, right? Or right. strawberries. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, that's kind that of like sense. it's kind of like a drastic oversimplification, yeah. but. A lot of how we view cannabis is how it smells, and mm -hmm. those involve terpenes, which are volatile, meaning that they, at room temperature, at like slightly higher temperatures, they start to basically evaporate off. And once they're gone, they're, they're gone, gone forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things, and you can over dry it too. It's mm -hmm. one of those things you had a great, like, stinky nug, and if you left it out overnight or something, you come back in the morning, it's like all dry and crispy, and all of a sudden, it doesn't have that same nose. So <laughs> it, it's just one of those things where we're looking, you know, certain terpenes. So cannabis will have, flower will have primary, typically there's, I think, seven 
basically categories where there's either dominant or co-dominant terpenes. And within that, you're going to have different... I think um, we work with native Belcosta labs. I think they test for 20 plus terpenes. Mm. Yeah. Um, and those are the only the ones that we're testing for. Not even oh, the ones yeah. that we don't even yeah. know about, that are only unique or specific to cannabis. Yeah. They all kind of react differently. So it's just one of those things where certain, some of them kind of hang around longer than others. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So I, I know some people out there don't exactly know all the like terminology we're throwing out there. So uh, <clears throat> like like terpenes, like what? Go into like what, what those are specifically. Ter- terpenes are literally... Because I know that's becoming like a new yep. thing and very dominant in the industry. Yep. <laughs> terpenes are literally the compounds that we're smelling. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've got, you know, it's the same thing. You smell a mango or a banana or a rose or a flower, you know, those are, you know, effectively botanically derived terpenes, cannabis, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just the same thing. And every plant had, you know, there's a lot of common terpenes and then there's also, you know, certain ones, you know, certain plants have specific terpenes. Yeah. Or, you okay. know, different noses, different <laughs> smells. Yeah. So that's what like, like you pick up one strain smells one one way and the other strain like different strain smells another. Great one is wine. A lot a lot of different you know kind oh, of yeah. notes, right? Totally. You know, blackberry or strawberry, yeah. right? It's all these different, basically, you know, little compounds that you know that's yeah. literally volatizing off, and that's what we're smelling. <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was at the uh, we're at the dispensary today at the uh, the atrium here in uh, Woodland Hills, yep. and they had a uh, I forgot who who was the growers of it, but they had a a lemon uh, like a uh, Electric lemonade or something like that. Oh and yeah, I can't remember exactly like mm-hmm. lemonade. Like I was like that 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 that's insane. So that's a rarer combination of terpenes because lemon is a very common smell, but lemonade mm-hmm. is not. Um, yeah. Citrus, uh, orange is a very common smell. Tangerine is not in cannabis. Yeah. So uh, the actual combination that they exist in can change the dominant profiles that you're experiencing, and when you taste it you may experience a different order of the profiles than when you're even smelling it. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, there's a whole flavonoid component too. I, again, this is such a complex, oh, complicated yeah. topic. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as us in the industry, we've barely even scratched the surface of it and where it's going. Oh, no, yeah. Um, you know, and that's kind of the cool part is we're getting to see all this stuff. And, and again, it, it's about we're kind of trying to stay in our lane, do what we like to do, and... And I see all the cool stuff that's happening around us. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. you got to support support everyone else who's doing trying to do the same thing as you. Yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, how did you guys, um, I guess, build b- build your network or continue to build your network? Like, have um, are there specific like events or conferences or whatever that you would want to talk about your experience? Yeah. So going back, Sergio, I'd mentioned him uh, oh, mm-hmm. from Cultivate yeah. Genetics. He right. does a um, Cultivators Connect once a month up in Sac. Um, okay. And uh, if you follow Cultivate Genetics or uh, Sergio's also Compound Genetics, um, they'll he'll post it. But it's a lot of people that are plant touching. There's a lot of people that come out. Um, Sergio is super into the education component of it. Mm-hmm. So you know him running a nursery. He's very into clean practices and mm-hmm. you know how do we as people as people that are touching the cannabis plant help prevent the spread of pathogens and other bugs and those kind of issues. So uh, Sergio will put together a panel of pe- people and basically, yeah. you know, there'll be a topic and, you know, you get to talk about it. And then again, you're linking up once a month with all these people that are all kind of plant touching. So it's a great way to, A, you know, it's, I love getting to talk, chop it up with other growers and mm-hmm. learn things that I'm not even thinking about, yeah. issues that I haven't come across that I can maybe call somebody or heads up on something. It's always a great. Yeah, and then you can take whatever you learn from them, apply it, see if it works, see what doesn't work. And that's, I mean, that's how we all grow, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Especially since cannabis is now in the limelight and it's open, we can go to conferences and big events and talk to people that connect that normally we would never be able to and learn things that we would never know. Right. It's a continuous learning process and everything. Absolutely. You know, uh, it's one of the best kind of analogies I use is, you know, I was thinking back to my high school biology and it was, you have a hypothesis, right? And you got to test mm-hmm. your hypothesis. So I think a lot of growing weed is you kind of think this strain is going to do this or do that. And you've got to kind of, you know, it's, you, yeah. your gut feeling is you try it out, you test it and mm-hmm. it either is better or it's not. 
And yeah, and then you, you know, just adapt to those to those changes. All you're doing is building a strong foundation and building little steps on top, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend Sergio's events for that reason. Everyone is interested in sharing information and making the community as a whole stronger. Yeah. Sergio doesn't have to share his pest, you know, practices with everyone else who's competing with him, but he does because he wants more clean cuts to go out overall and the end product to be better. And it's refreshing, you know, from being in rooms where everyone is secretive and no one wants to share to be in a community that's open like that. So if you really want to meet people, go to that event. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. People guard their secrets like it's like the secret formula and stuff <laughs> yep. like that. Yep. <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. But it's it's definitely awesome to hear that uh, everybody's sharing and, and all that stuff because that, that's the way that the industry is going to progress and we're going to produce better product consistently over broad spectrum of everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that's the whole point of us doing the podcast, too, is to spread our knowledge and then hear from people who have so much to share and give them a platform. So um, the average, you know, consumer um, knows what goes into it. Like you said, just walking into a dispensary and being overwhelmed and not even knowing what you're looking at. I mean, like I've experienced that myself. So um, it's all about learning and evolving. Yeah, and especially the way the cannabis is now, you walk in one week and there'll be a brand the next week that brand is like gone forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And then there's like a new brand that just pops up. And again, as somebody that goes in like once a week, once a month, like it's like, okay, I really like what I bought last time, but it's not here. Like, no, I don't have it. What do I do? But yeah. I'm still going to buy something because I'm here. <laughs> yep. No. And you well, know, that company took that strain out of circulation or yep. something like that. And now you're like, ah, oh, I have to find like something else that's going to work. Yep. And then you're just kind of going off of what the bud tender recommends because yeah. sometimes you just don't know. It, it's really intimidating because you, you go into a liquor store, to, liquor store to buy beer or wine. It's not like... You're kind of like, all right, I'm just gonna get like a red wine, or like, yeah. you know, I like my, you know, my girlfriend likes Merlot. I'm gonna get yeah. a Merlot or something, mm-hmm. right? You know, and you're like, okay, it's like twelve bucks. That seems like it's reasonably priced or something, right? Yeah. You know, and it's kind of what you're basing it off of. But then, you know, you go walk into a cannabis store, you're like having to talk to somebody, like showing all the stuff, like they're talking to you, like you know what you think, like you know, like you yeah. know what you like are doing, and you're like, I, I don't know, I have no yeah. idea. And then you're spending all this money, and you're like, and, I don't even know if what I'm getting is what I actually want, and how it's gonna make I want to feel, and all that. That's what I'm saying. When you when you buy an eighth, you know, you're spending, you know, out here, you're probably spending 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks. Like, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And again, if you kind of like don't know what it is, and you like don't like it, it's like, wow, you spent 60 bucks on something that I'm not stoked yeah. with. And yeah, and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd feel ripped off if I spent 60 bucks on something. I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, Yeah, like, it's like, what did I just buy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you want quality, but you also want value. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes to find both. Yep. It's like, where is that sweet spot? Yep. Yeah, yeah, especially with the states that are very prominent and like illicit markets and stuff like that. When these guys go, all right, let me go try a dispensary, spend so much more money than they usually do. And they go, well, I'm getting the same quality or like a little better from wherever they're getting it from. Yep. And they're like, well, why? Like, that makes no sense to go on dispensary. I might as well just go back to where I was getting it from, you know? You know, and it, it's, again, it's safer, right, for at the end of the day for consumers. But, like, again, if you go to your buddy's house and he's got, you know, three jars of weed on his table, and it's like you're able to, like, pick it up and smell it and, mm-hmm. like, hey, can I smoke this one? Can I try it first? Yeah, exactly. Without just shelling out money and, like, kind of just going out on a whim. Oh, I hope I like this, but. And, you know, and, again, this goes back to the whole, like, kind of public consumption thing. Um I would love, you know, there's like a lot of wineries where you can have like a little mm-hmm. flight and then, you know, you can buy it or try it. You know, there, there isn't really a way yet. And I guess there are a couple of places that have opened up in West Hollywood where, you know, consumption lounges. But mm-hmm. it, again, it's just kind of one of those environments where it's like, hey, I can actually sit here, like try it, see what I like to make yeah. a better buying decision. Right. Yeah. yeah totally. We actually went to a cannabis lounge in West Hollywood last time we were out here, the artist lounge. I don't know if you've been yep. there. Yep. It was a cool place like to be able to sit there, hang out, try stuff instead of just like, okay, you're in and you're out because we want to, you know, get more people in here buying stuff. Mm-hmm. So definitely like a different experience. And I mean, obviously where we're from, we don't, we don't have like that opportunity. So that was pretty cool. No, that's awesome. Now, again, I think it's a whole different culture out here, too. And again, what Phil was saying before, like, I think a lot of the stuff we do take for granted out here where, you know, there's a place where you can, like, literally just go, like, mm-hmm. buy weed and smoke it inside. You know, yeah. that doesn't really exist, you know. Yeah, you're, like, you're hunting around like kids to find now, it. <laughs> kids nowadays that will grow up to legal smoking age and all that that will never know what it was like back in the day to go sit in, like, a parking lot waiting for the <laughs> dude to show up and then he never does or get your p- weed in a pizza box. And it's just like it's just not a like they will never know what that what those days were like. Yep. Or they show you one jar and then give you a sealed something else and it's yeah, you're like what? You're like this isn't what he just showed. 
Oh yeah, we've definitely come a long way from uh, from those days. But like, there's so much more that you know that's gonna go on. So that's like why talking to like you guys and other people, it's like okay, we learn from you, and then you know we put this on here, and then we're able to tell people about it, and just like talking to family and friends who have listened to the show and who maybe like don't really know about cannabis like now they're curious and like that's what's great is we're exposing people to it and like creating awareness and i think like that is what's going to get us where we ultimately want to be no totally i I think there's a huge stigma and it's finally kind of getting definitely definitely is yeah Mm -hmm. and, and again i think it's just i think with really my grandparents really were the gen, you know, generation where it was like, this is really, really bad. My parents, you know, they don't necessarily think cannabis is evil, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're not going around smoking pot all day, but like, yeah. again, it's like, hey, it's not but really But their image any- of a stoner is like Spicoli. Exactly. Like- you know, it's no different than alcohol, right? Yeah. You know? Right, yeah, I completely agree. Completely but some agree. people, like, I, I don't know, they just think a certain way about it. And it's like not being narrow-minded, being open to listening. And, you know, that's really what's it. Yeah, and look, the reality is cannabis is safer than alcohol. Like, mm-hmm. at this point, I think people, the stigma, the whole social kind of ostracization in a lot of ways, is finally kind of going away for the most part. But again, look, there's always going to be those kind of stereotypes that exist, and, and that's just part of it. With anything, no, not even oh, just yeah. cannabis. Yep, totally. And it's like you can't change everyone's mind, but at least you can try to educate and yeah. so that they can make their own opinion, like more educated opinion about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. So, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I always like to, since I'm an investor myself and all that, I always like dive into a little bit of like the business of like what you guys do. So uh, when did you, when, when did you start your company? Like, like when did you, when did this all start for you? Uh, I mean, I've been involved in cannabis for a long time. Like I said, I had, uh, I was involved in a Prop 215 grow, you know, over a decade ago. Um, and again, that was kind of in the whole gray, you know, the whole, gr- you know, gray times, I guess, mm-hmm. where... Yeah. You know, it was it was allowed, but you know, you didn't always have the protection in a certain sense. You know, like literally, depending on what way you know the wind was blowing that day, mm-hmm. you know, you might get raided and shut down. You might get raided and you know be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came to California uh, and started operating in Los Angeles, licensed, and then we started um, growing for other brands, and then we started uh, dropping our own brand in California as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are now in the process of uh, building out uh, facility in Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Um, we should be operational in the early part of 2023. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, can't wait. You know, it's going to be a nice change from the uh, California market right now. So. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I would, I would definitely think so. Definitely think so. What's uh, what, what have you found has been the most challenging thing about, about running, this, running your business and all that? You know, I think it's... The market has been the market today versus a year ago in California is such the it's night and day. And you know, I think a lot of the legacy operators by legacy operators, I mean the mm-hmm. early legal really the early legal guys right. that were used to really high prices during COVID there was really high demand mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. prices were really high. You know, growers were making a lot of money. If you know, I think people were kind of getting fat and lazy and weren't kind of really trying to evolve and adapt. And you know, in the last year, as prices have pretty much plummeted, if you didn't have your cost of production down, you didn't have your cost mm-hmm. down, it it's, doesn't matter. I mean, the price has just gotten so low at this point now where it's like you're either growing pounds for really cheap and able to make money or you're not. And yeah, you're just, yep. you're either just breaking even or you're... Or you're not, you're out. Like how you were saying, there's always like different brands and like you go back and then you're like, oh wait, that doesn't exist anymore. And there's always like the what the obstacles that you have to overcome. Yeah, and look, this is, the reality is, is this is a new legal market, you mm-hmm. know. Cannab- it's always changing yep. too. Yeah. It's always something new. Cannabis is, in my opinion, the f- really the first big industry that went from being totally illegal black market into a licensed regulated thing. You know, you look at other yeah. kind of, you know, the path of, you know, personal computers, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of started developing the technology and understood, hey, we can apply this to, you know, to people like to use in their homes. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the whole advent of a whole new era. Whereas with cannabis, cannabis hasn't been around the entire time. Yeah, it's just, definitely. it hasn't, we haven't been able to do it in the open or legally. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're all kind of trying to figure it out. And again, you know, you're dealing with stigmas like you were talking about before of, mm-hmm. you know, people, uh, you know, think it's evil. They got to be careful. It's like, hey, guys, like everybody's doing it anyway. Right. Exactly. You yeah. might as well actually make this like safe for people and like pay taxes and like make this actually work the way it's supposed to work instead of, you know, just everybody kind of running around doing what they want and people getting ripped off, people getting hurt, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, all of it. Yeah, it's dangerous. It might is. Might as well make it safer for people to consume and have access than keep it like this where you just you just don't know what's going to happen sometimes. Yep, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, where you don't know if you're going to go pick up a really good eighth or get robbed. You know, it's fu- it's funny in New York, right? You know, the stuff that's selling well is like the legal stuff and it's because people know it's tested, it's yeah. clean. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's something they, they can actually put their trust in and again, that hasn't really existed in cannabis for very long where it's like, hey, this is a brand that's consistent, it's safe, you know, I can trust it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's the whole thing. Once you gain trust, then it's where you get your your um, your community and your cl- and your uh, consumers. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that, um, but uh, what, what I don't see a lot of cannabis brands doing is that everybody thinks that like cannabis will sell itself. And yep. that's not exactly the story for for everybody or it, or it at all. And marketing is a big thing that I feel a lot of companies do, do neglect because I go to MJ BizCon, like all that stuff. Like I'm sure you guys know the conferences and all that. And there's a lot of Me Too companies out there, but there's especially a lot of Me Too companies with packaging. Like you can have the most gorgeous packaging in the world, but if you can't get in front of a consumer or have the consumer understand what your product's about, then it's bogus. No, you, yeah. you're, you're dead on. I mean, uh, again, I think for me, it's all starts off with what's inside the bag. Yeah. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of brands that are crushing it that aren't that well known or don't have the kind of notoriety some of these bigger guys and you know it's like they may have as good or even a better product yeah. but mm-hmm. because Definitely. you know they don't have the name or the flash or whatever they're not getting as high of a price or it's not selling as well or whatever and again you know we're all figuring it out there's so many brands out there and you oh, think there are tons. You, you think about beer yeah, there's like a lot of brands, but like we can start like naming off that we've all heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I'm sure we could like look at some cannabis dispensary menus in California and there's gonna be all these brands that I've never even heard of or you've never heard yeah, of. At, oh, at yeah, at the totally. atrium today, they had a like a vendor pop-up going on and um, we got a sticker from one of the tables. I was like, I've never even heard of this. And he's like, neither have I. And it's like, there were it wasn't just one, there was a bunch. So it's like yeah. everyone needs their like 15 seconds of fame to shine, you know, and get them like, to like the next level where they want to be but yep. um there's always something new to try which is which is cool but then it's back to like i don't want to try it and spend a shit ton of money and then you know so it's like a balance definitely yep. <laughs> yeah definitely and um <clears throat> like with that like you walk into the dispensaries and there are like you said there are hundreds hundreds of brands almost there there's countless you walk in there and you can walk in the same dispensary inside the same week and there's different brands like i think that will that will catch on is that um like growers and stuff like that or like everything becoming like vertically integrated and kind of like they're selling their own products so this way there can be a more personal touch with the consumer in your store you can be like hey listen we actually grow this we we know what went into this we can do all that and then uh kind of i think i uh, kind of what we touched on before is that you can maybe now offer a sample of that once that becomes like and like an okay if that ever becomes an okay thing to do Mm-hmm. Or it'd be like offer like really, really small joints at like a discount or some shit like that. Be like, hey, like just like take this, go to your car, smoke this in five minutes and come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, it's the same thing we're talking about. Like, you know, you go to a brewery, you can try the beer before yeah. you gra- get one. Like, is that- it be the same thing as going to a distiller, like a distillery yep. or a brewery or something like that? Like you're just saying. Yep. And again, I, again, I think it's just stigma and laws and regulations surrounding it. At, at yeah. some point, it's all kind of gonna. And also, it has to come to a headwind. Like at at some point. It's one great thing about the Haze Cup. You get to try a bunch of different stuff if you come to one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, our uh, our first one was... Uh, July 4th? Independence, uh, Independence Day Cup. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was our first one to make out. And we were really hoping to make the uh, one for Halloween, but that one uh, unfortunately got rescheduled to December. So uh, we're going to hopefully make out for that one. Are you guys going to be planning on entering or anything? Of course, man, of course. <laughs> Definitely yeah, I love the competition <laughs> aspect of it. How everyone like is able to show what they've got, and since so many people are there, um, you get a bunch of new people who want to get your buy your stuff. 
So I think that's really cool. I mean, the amount of product we went we went that like home with it was ridiculous. <laughs> no, <laughs> or I got to try at least. You yeah. know, it, it's a lot of good stuff in there too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely high quality stuff. Uh, one thing you asked about was longevity, and we talk about that mm-hmm. a lot ourselves. <coughs> We've come to the conclusion that the companies that will last are the companies that are transparent. So companies that want a white label from us, come to our operation, see how it works, walk through the aisles, smell the plants, pick mm-hmm. the ones that speak to you in terms of flavor or color, or whatever yeah. you want to brand for. And you know, be very hands-on with your products. Right, and like you said, um, at Emerald Cup, I like working the booth because I like talking to the tent growers, the first yeah. times, third time, fifth time growers, because that's where you actually connect with the people that are consuming your product, just like in uh, the craft beer. If you go to the brewery, you can hang out with the bartender, who's the guy who's mm-hmm. picking them, and it's all the same thing. And um, the companies that don't provide that, they just send a sales rep who might know the product, but has no yeah. true connection to you can that. tell that like right off the bat like if they have a connection to it have they tried it and like when when the recommendation like you know there's really nothing behind it it's just like oh i want to sell this it's not like i have passion for this it's a huge difference yeah. they tell you about the thc level right not that it makes them hungry or tired yeah. or, happy. or how they feel right how like what it's do- actually doing for them right Specifically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when uh, definitely like like some events in the past that I've I've been to in like the illicit market and stuff like that. It's just like oh, like you see everything I tell you. It's like all right, THC percentages, big numbers and that, and it's just it's it's just crazy. But uh, it's it's nice to see that people are actually like going sharing like like their knowledge in the legal market and wanting to produce like a really good product like out of that. And uh, it's 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 great to hear that you guys are kind of like on like the same the, the same page with all same that stuff, wavelength. So. Mm-hmm. Same wavelength. And we try, man. It's not always uh, yeah. easy, but uh, especially uh, no, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. definitely not. The way the market's pushing and pulling, you know, it's it's always really hard to kind of try and stay competitive and and remain authentic. And, yeah, because it's like what separates you guys from the yeah. competition? Because people will just go, weeds, weed. Yep. Yeah. Some and that. we mm-hmm. have to like like that's something I kind of want to branch away from is that weed is not just like all weed is not just just weed. It's not all the same. We we really got to dive into what makes each each cannabis plant unique and what makes these strains unique and how you get these specific feelings and how to cross crossbreed those those into create better feelings or or better outcomes. Anyone who smoked sour in New York in the 2000s and smoked sour now can tell you that weed's not weed. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally, hundred percent. Like, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a because it's a crazy industry and like it really pushes you guys as growers for your company. Like, you want to push out a good, consistent product and grow it. Like you said, like do what you want to do, but sometimes the market just doesn't allow for that. And yeah, it that's, doesn't align. And that, that's what really sucks. But uh, like I said before, I think it's got to come to a head, uh, like, like like a turning point in some way. I think these mom and like pop shop basically kind of grow operations that run their own dispensaries and not just walk into a dispensary where there's like 20 or 30 different products and stuff like that where the butt tenders are maybe the ones growing the plants in the back and stuff like that. And it's it would be, I think that would be a much more hands-on and better environment for, for, for cannabis. Mm-hmm. And especially for new people coming into a dispensary for the first time. You just come to a dispensary for a time. How confusing is it? Like when I brought Cassie to a dispensary for the first mm-hmm. time, she was like, like she was blown away. She and was and like, they're oh different, God. like depending on, upon like what state you're into. Like we were in Colorado back in August and it's like a completely different experience than here. Like here you just walk in. And it's like so open there. It's like Fort Knox. Like you gotta, you get your ID checked. You know, it's just like a different experience altogether. Um, I mean, obviously they all have a shit ton of different products that you can, you know, uh, try out. But yeah, it's just it's overwhelming. And I think sometimes that might make people hesitant to even like step foot in the door. So like trying to find a welcoming environment for, um, you know, whichever demographic. You, yeah. So, um, what do you guys, where do you, I guess, where do you see the industry going in the next, like, five years? Or where do you hope to see it go? Um, I, uh, love the question. My answer to this is I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, all I try and focus on is just mm-hmm. growing, f- 
flower and growing the yeah. best flower I can grow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are crushing it with rosin, with hash, mm-hmm. with, you know, manufactured products, edibles. You're straight crushing it. But, you know, that's not that's not my thing. Like, right. You, you got to find your, your my, niche. Yeah, my, my lane. Yeah. My lane is flower. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm always trying to do. And, again, you know, I don't know. We don't know where the market's going to be. We can all kind of speculate and flower maybe a higher percentage, lower percentage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All I'm going to try and do is just grow good weed. Yeah, and, and focus you know, on the now. Hopefully other people like it and buy it. That's all you can do. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you want to grow, if you're passionate about it, you're going you're to push out a consistent product and, and uh, not just a consistent product, but a very good product. Yep. And that's that's what the, the market needs and, and everything. But uh, it's it's awesome. So uh, with, with, with uh, good greens and stuff like that, well... Tell us more about the company. Like, what, uh, like, what got you? St- like, what made you say, like, I'm gonna start a, like, start, start doing this? I, I've been in weed for a long time. I love weed, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I love growing it. I love smelling it. Like, did someone it. come to you and they were like, "Hey, man, I want to invest in you and like start a growing company"? Or no, you were just like, I just, this naturally happened. It, it you know, it's all uh, like I said, man. I've been in weed for a long, long time, man. So it was kind of just eventually went from having kind of medical grow to kind of going back to having, you know, smaller trap grows to then kind of being like, hey, you know, now's the time where I really want to try and make this into a real business. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, again, the last few years has just been a wild ride, you know. You learn a lot real quick, you know. Uh, There's a lot of snakes out there. There's a lot of, but alternatively, there's a lot of good people out there. Oh, no, yeah, there's a lot of good people. I mean, since I've started showing my face more in the cannabis industry and getting in front of it, I've met Andrew here. At Hayes Radio, he's been the man setting us up here, so you got to come check them out. They've been hooking us up with the best stuff, the best guests. You guys are awesome. Uh, Do you guys have any shout-outs before we close out this episode? I want to say uh, Sergio uh, Cultivated Genetics. He's the man. uh, Anybody who wants for clones, genetics, learn more about the plant, look up uh, Cultivated Genetics. Ray and Luis. That's it. Just Ray and Luis. You know who you are. Short and sweet. There you go. All right. That's awesome. And... uh, Let's give a shout out to MJ Arsenal, who we were uh, dabbing on before with some uh, great, great product from you guys. Great and, mini uh, rigs, the infinity we have yeah. up here. Yep. And uh, we will uh, see you guys next, next, next time. All right. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you at a Hayes See you soon. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.